0: Section 27 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson, this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Essays of Samuel Johnson, Section 27. Life sufficient to all purposes, if well employed. Sapere aude, in inquipe directe qui prorogadoram rusticus expectat de deflueramnes at ille labitur et labeto in omne volubrius aevum horace begin be bold and venture to be wise he who defers his work from day to day does on a river's bank expecting stay the whole stream which stopped him should be gone that runs and as it runs ever will run on carly an ancient poet unreasonably discontented at the present state of things which his system of opinions obliged him to represent in its worst form has observed of the earth that its greater part is covered by the uninhabitable ocean that of the rest, some is encumbered with naked mountains, and some lost under barren sands, some scorched with unintermitted heat, and some petrified with perpetual frost, so that only a few regions remain for the production of fruits, and the pasture of cattle, and the accommodation of man. The same observation may be transferred to the time allotted to us in our present state when we have deducted all that is absorbed in sleep all that is inevitably appropriated to the demands of nature or irresistibly engrossed by the tyranny of custom all that passes in regulating the superficial decorations of life or is given up in the reciprocations of the civility to the disposal of others all that is torn from us by the violence of disease, or stolen imperceptibly away by lassitude and languor, we shall find that part of our duration very small, of which we can truly call ourselves masters, or which we can spend wholly at our own choice. Many of our hours are lost in a rotation of petty cares, in a constant recurrence of the same employments many of our provisions for ease or happiness are always exhausted by the present day and a great part of our existence serves no other purpose than that of enabling us to enjoy the rest of the few moments which are left in our disposal it may reasonably be expected that we should be so frugal as to let none of them slip from us without some equivalent and perhaps it might be found that as the earth however straitened by rocks and waters is capable of producing more than all its inhabitants are able to consume our lives though much contracted by incidental distraction would yet afford us a large space vacant to the exercise of reason and virtue, that we want not time, but diligence for great performances, and we squander much of our allowance, even while we think it sparing and insufficient. This natural and necessary comminution of our lives, perhaps, often makes us insensible of the negligence with which we suffer them to slide away. We never consider ourselves as possessed at once of time sufficient for any great design, and therefore indulge ourselves in fortuitous amusements. We think it unnecessary to take an account of the few supernumerary moments which, however employed, could have produced little advantage, and which were exposed to a thousand chances of disturbance and interruption. It is observable that, either by nature or by habit, our faculties are fitted to images of a certain extent, to which we adjust great things by division, and little things by accumulation. Of extensive surfaces we can only take a survey as the parts succeed one another, and atoms we cannot perceive till they are united into masses thus we break the vast periods of time into centuries and years and thus if we would know the amount of moments we must agglomerate them into days and weeks the proverbial oracles of our parsimonious ancestors have informed us that the fatal waste of fortune is by small expenses by the profusion of sums too little singly to alarm our caution, and which we never suffer ourselves to consider together. Of the same kind is the prodigality of life. He that hopes to look back hereafter with satisfaction upon past years must learn to know the present value of single minutes, and endeavour to let no particle of time fall useless to the ground. It is usual for those who are advised to the attainment of any new qualification, to look upon themselves as required to change the general course of their conduct, to dismiss business and exclude pleasure, and to devote their days and nights to a particular attention. But all common degrees of excellence are attainable at a lower price. He that should steadily and resolutely assign to any science or language those interstitial vacancies which intervene in the most crowded variety of diversion or employment, will find every day new irradiations of knowledge, and discover how much more is to be hoped from frequency and perseverance than from violent efforts and sudden desires, efforts which are soon remitted when they encounter difficulty. And desires which, if they are indulged too often, will shake off the authority of reason and range capriciously from one object to another. The disposition to defer every important design to a time of leisure and a state of settled uniformity proceeds generally from a false estimate of the human powers if we accept those gigantic and stupendous intelligences who are said to grasp a system by intuition and bound forward from one series of conclusions to another without regular steps through intermediate propositions the most successful students make their advances in knowledge by short flights between each of which the mind may lie at rest for every single act of progression a short time is sufficient and it is only necessary that whenever that time is afforded it be well employed few minds will be long confined to severe and laborious meditation and when a successful attack on knowledge has been made the student recreates himself with the contemplation of his conquest and forbears another incursion till the new acquired truth has become familiar and his curiosity calls upon him for fresh gratifications whether the time of intermission is spent in company or in solitude in necessary business or in voluntary levities the understanding is equally abstracted from the object of inquiry but perhaps if it be detained by occupations less pleasing it returns again to study with greater alacrity than when it is glutted with ideal pleasures, and surfeited with intemperance of application. He that will not suffer himself to be discouraged by fancied impossibilities, may sometimes find his abilities invigorated by the necessity of exerting them in short intervals, as the force of a current is increased by the contraction of its channel. From some cause like this it has probably proceeded that among those who have contributed to the advancement of learning many have risen to eminence in opposition to all the obstacles which external circumstances could place in their way amidst the tumult of business the distresses of poverty or the dissipations of a wandering and unsettled state a great part of the life of erasmus was one continual peregrination ill supplied with the gifts of fortune and led from city to city and from kingdom to kingdom by the hopes of patrons and preferment hopes which always flattered and always deceived him he yet found means by unshaken constancy and vigilant improvement of those hours which in the midst of the most restless activity will remain unengaged to write more than another in the same condition would have hoped to read compelled by want to attendance and solicitation and so much versed in common life that he has transmitted to us the most perfect delineation of the manners of his age he joined to his knowledge of the world such application to books that he will stand forever in the first rank of literary heroes how this proficiency was obtained he sufficiently discovers by informing us that the praise of folly one of his most celebrated performances was composed by him on the road to italy ne totum illu tempus quo equu ecco incidentum illiteratus fabulus terereto lest the hours which he was obliged to spend on horseback should be tattled away without regard to literature an italian philosopher expressed in his motto that time was his estate an estate indeed which will produce nothing without cultivation but will always abundantly repay the labours of industry and satisfy the most extensive desires if no part of it be suffered to lie waste by negligence to be overrun with noxious plants or laid out for show rather than for use end of section 27